How you doing? Okay. Can you hear me? Marcus? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Is my Am I clear? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. It, it's always so cool just, like, to meet comedians on Facebook and then be like, oh, yeah, they're really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thanks, it's like, man. It's awesome. I mean, I watched your stuff a couple months ago, and I was like, okay, I need to get him on. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, how long have you been doing comedy for? Uh, I've been doing it since 2011. So I, I'm gonna, I think I just passed 10 years last December. So I'm like 11 years, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so d- did you start in Maine? I did. Uh, I think that's always like the funniest thing that happens when I get questioned about my origin story comedy. Um, Cause yeah, I started in Maine. <laughs> was that, what was, was there a comedy scene there? Was there anything there or were you sort of left to your own devices? Now the thing is, yo, so com- there was comedy in Maine, actually, like, at the time when I started in 2011, um, Maine just had, like, its big comedian who got, like, on Comedy Central, which was Bob Marley. Um, so there, like, it wasn't like Maine didn't have a comedy scene. The thing is, Maine uh, had a comedy connection, and then it I started in 2011, and it shut down in 2012, so... The scene itself was like we had we I don't even know how long the comedy connection was at in Portland, Maine, but it was a small scene and like literally it went from like there was a club and it wasn't like a well established club in retrospect that obviously it only lasted one more year after I did comedy. Um and then the rest of it was in like indie scene, but it was still like I was like twenty one at the time and it was like a lot of like 30 40 year old plus for like main like killer comedians who were like established oh i totally get that when i when i started out uh i started out i try not to talk about myself a lot that's the problem but uh i um when i started out also in 2011 i started out in improv because there really was no stand-up like scene where i was yeah and even if i had started back then it was a lot of like a lot more older people and then uh I did improv for a few years. Only went to do it for a little while. I ended up doing it much longer. And then I started doing stand-up in 2015. And it was the same thing where, like, people were, li- were a little bit older than me. I was 21, 22, and yeah. people in their mid to late 20s. And now now we're, like, we're cool because I'm older. And like, yeah. But it, it always is that thing. I always ask people, like, do you feel like you started at the, at the right time, age-wise, and, like, life experience wise um so i think that too because let's see i so i started stand-up actually because i got drunk uh at a open i got drunk and there was an open mic happening and at the time i was like a nursing school student um so i was fully in scrubs and like i i just knew i was always a creative kid uh i just knew that i want wanted to try stand-up just because i like i had like a lot of nursing material like it wasn't that i was smart like there was like a lot of comedians who i think that you know they they either they either start from being like a funny person but really no perspective right versus uh someone with a lot of perspective but doesn't have like the direct route of being funny. oh yeah so there's, so there's like the two routes there's like the naturally funny people but like you know you want depth is something that you and want it's like then, the people that have at least they have a viewpoint that uh can at least start them somewhere yeah yeah. and uh the big thing with me was like i was i was a nursing student i had like all this like knowledge of like patients like you know i of all these people at like their most vulnerable point which is you're meeting a nurse uh for a medical thing and then thinking that this is funny stuff and then trying it on an audience that is older than me from like a young person who looks like a know-it-all to a completely different perspective than like a regular audience member would be. And uh, I thought it was funny. And my friends thought it was funny, but I'm like, they just knew too much about me versus me knowing nothing about the audience and just trying to like force them information that I'm like, this is funny for this reason. And I was like, all right. Um, 
but yeah, starting for sure. It was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of inexperience, but like I knew why it didn't like land as hard as I thought. But after, you know, you do the mic a couple times after you like get that engagement, you kind of just become like a open mic addict and like, you know, joke writing, performing addict. Right. Pretty much how it spiraled into what it is today. Yeah. And was your community like pretty accepting of you when you started getting more into doing it? Um, yeah, I think it was, it was, it was just very, it was like very interesting. It was very, uh, like clicky. Like it was definitely like an older versus younger style of comedian. And then it also was, uh, it definitely became kind of like a split between like storytellers and edgelords. I feel that was like a definitely, that was definitely a big thing in the scene that I started in growing up. There were like comedians who were like super edgelordy. And then good storytellers. And, like, those are good aspects. Like, you know, individually, obviously, it's better when you have those comedians. But they're, like, two different comedians who decided to think, you know, this is yeah. how you get to a joke or how you get an audience to laugh. And it was, like, it was very split. But I, like, st- I definitely started off uh, kind of edgelordish. And I was also, like, uh, trying to be a sketch, an online sketch comedian on YouTube when I started. So I also had like this edgelordy attitude when I first started, but yeah, that's how the scene was. So I got accepted, but I had to become an edgelord. Right. Yeah. There's always (laughs) that sort of balance. Like I'm in New Jersey and we have like a mix of like, where it's very like alt performers and like, you know, very tied to different, like, poetry and you know performing communities and sketch and stuff and you have that and then the other (laughs) side is like you have an older crowd that is kind of at jordy yeah yeah that that classic jersey italian angry person yeah so it's like (laughs) it's like okay so you have to deal with that and it was it's always been very cool like just to see and the different areas of jersey was really cool is it's very underrated, I think, because we're so close to everything. Yeah, like, yeah, no, like for there's sure. Philly that's a little bit more than us. There's New York, but like New Jersey really gets kind of like slept on for a lot of stuff that we have. It's it can be pretty underground, and that's what I love about it is there's a real sort of punk rock sort of. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that, that's that's real. There's it's close enough to the city to have like the club mafia feel to it. And then, but Jersey, yeah, literally, it's like right in between two good scenes. It's between New York and Philly. Honestly, if I lived in Jersey, I feel like I'd do Jersey and go to Philly because New York. It's it's definitely hard to beat New York because Jersey is like the shadow of it. Oh so yeah, it's like it's like it's so hard, and it's New Jersey. I feel like is just one of the places that it's not a tourist trap. It's a place you pass through, so that's also right. hard. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, but uh, it's like uh, we've i've gone to philly a couple times a few times in the past year and it's just been it's just been really great like those comics are really great you're in new york now right i uh, know so i'm still in maine um but oh, i was new york i was in new york uh pre-pandemic but i am uh, now two years afterwards i'm starting to look back at the return so um but yeah no I'm, I'm integrated in the new york scene very much and it was always funny because i'm like there's a lot of New York comics who've never done outside New York. And it's funny because I'm like, that's where you learn, like stepping outside New York. That's where you learn what material is translatable to the rest of the world. Cause New York is a bubble. <laughs> oh yeah. I think if you're anywhere, it's really a bubble. Like uh, I was very uh, excited uh, last year in May, I got to go to uh, Texas and that was the first time I did comedy in like another state. And yeah, that was just really fantastic. Just to sort of see, like, it was kind of funny like, to see, like, oh, stand-up as a genre is the same everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's, it's same, crazy, yeah. Everything is the same, like. There, like, there's always know. archetypes in every scene. Yep. There's always, one weird thing, I'm like, I don't know if you have this, there's always an older dude with a Hawaiian shirt. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> dude, yeah, like, Texas, like, you'd see that with a cowboy hat, you're like, oh, it's there, it's theirs. And then same thing, same thing with up here. I'm just like, I don't know right. why. I know how the Hawaiian shirt became the thing, but it's the real. The only thing uh, that was different was I went at a time when uh, um, Joe Rogan was just going there to mm-hmm. um, was was take over this club called the uh, Creek in the Cave, and he ended up not taking over it, but he was going to, and uh, 
there was a lot of people in my situation that were like going there to visit. Some people were going down there to move. And like, so it was just infiltrated with comics. And <laughs> it was the same time that uh, um, Tony Hinchcliffe yeah. had his controversy, little controversy yeah. thing with the with, yeah, pen dang and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it was like a really weird mix of like, okay, we had to hear not jokes, but like just everyone tell their opinion on stage of that. <laughs> and it's like okay, you have to sit through like thirty comics. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that that's that's that shit's real, man. Uh, but yeah, yeah so you were in, so you were in Austin. Yeah, I was in Austin, and uh, I had a comedian friend who he he moves around a whole bunch of different places, and he was in New Jersey for a little bit because he's from here, and uh, um, he just invited me for three days, and it was my first time traveling all by myself somewhere, so that was really cool to do, and it was just like. It was just really mind-blowing to be like, it was only three days, but we did a whole lot. I got on a show. We did, like, the last night I was there, we did, like, four mics from, like, 3 p.m. to, like, 10 p.m. It was, like, insane. And it was <laughs> yeah, just yeah. cool to, like, go through that. And uh, it was it was always so cool to see the different, like, ways that people, the crowds were and, like, how people comedy they were very edgelordy too like yeah, yeah. way more than yeah. new jersey i was surprised oh no was no like, no austin's become like the edgelord capital that's why i was like oh shit yeah. <laughs> i was, was like, very much so i was like yeah. i was like where in texas because uh yeah they used to they used to have like i i was friends with a couple austin comics and they used to have like a big drag scene that was before and it was like very flamboyant very colorful comedy and then joe rogan and tony hinchliffe and all that took over and they're like yo all the edgelords are here now <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I think they were just sort of infiltrating then, so it was like, okay, that's a lot of stuff. And yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was just cool to see people also that were, like, really, uh, like, ground-up people, people that sort of started their own stuff, which was really cool. It was like, these people aren't really working with clubs, but they're, like, they actually have, like, shows and stuff that they're doing, which is always cool to see that people yeah. can sort of make their own way. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, you've been hosting a lot of shows and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, pretty much that was like my, that's my big thing is like, uh, I'm like a producer holic, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been producing shows. Uh, I've been like trying to work with making better hosts recently, but yeah, I've hosted plenty of shows. <laughs> yeah. Hosting is very hard. I, I'm not good at it because I, I just get like, it's the, it's always the setup that's really tough for me more. Yeah, it's like getting everything all set up and working with like everyone. <laughs> it's like the the once you're you're in the middle of it, it's like okay, I can pretty much do this because you're comfortable around comics once you've been around them a long time. It's just other people. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Be, being the moderator for the audience, making sure the audience is ready for the next comic. All the all like the drunk audience members in between shows so that way they don't disrupt and like you gotta the crowd control really that's it like hosting is if especially if it's people that gives you anxiety it's always crowd control <laughs> oh yeah and uh so how many shows like do a week are you usually hosting um me hosting i feel like i'm probably hosting like three shows a week um and then also uh just hosting mics i think i think that's a big thing is Hosting mics at, is probably the most beneficial thing for shows because I'm like, it's, I always think that show, I think that mics are all about the energy you give. And like, there is like a point where you do comedy so long that you're just like, oh, it's another mic and you're not really performing show ready. But I'm like, if you perform at a mic like it's a show, then it's like, it's the same energy and you get the same payoff almost. Right. And if, and if not, you kind of have also a more stubborn audience because I'm like, I hate doing mics sometimes because the comedians is like they won't laugh at your jokes because they don't want to prove it's funny or like they're better right. than that. Yeah, and I'm just like, like it's like, so like, dumb. When um, I don't mean to cut you off, but when um, when when the pandemic started, uh, we came back super quick. We came back after like three months, and we were like, yeah. we were really really be well behaved with like masses and shit, but we were like we were back early. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the thing for me became difficult was that like there were no regular audience members. It was just comedians. So I was like, "How do I like?" There's a formula, you know. You like, you perform these jokes, you get on a show, and you can do your, you know, you can build your act. It's like I don't have anyone 
in the audience to really like perform for. So I had to learn how to like not be too conversational and like stick to performing mm-hmm. voice. And also uh, my thing was like, okay, I'm going to try and make certain people laugh that like I respect mm-hmm. and that I like, and that I want to like me. And that sort of gave me a way of like, okay, I can work on my stuff now. <laughs> Yeah, 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 for sure, dude. That's uh, that's that's always like a thing, like learning, especially like respect wise. Because some people like they'll pop into random mics and be like, "Oh man," I was like, "I didn't do so good," and I'm just like, "Dude, sometimes it's like so clicky, like you could just oh, feel yeah. the energy." So it's like, for sure, but it's like, yeah, yeah. Once you once you break that barrier down, especially at mics, uh, it definitely becomes more. It kind of it it definitely helps you in dealing with uh. Of in like her learning how to get respect from different strangers because it's like, like you don't care about your friends' laughter at that point. I'm like you care oh, yeah. about the when comedians, when the strangers. comedians who never laugh at your jokes. You're just like, oh, this is my goal. Yeah, when there's strangers, it's like okay, I can do this, and it's like it's always the, that's always the one thing that I love. It's just like if I can just do that because I just always feel more comfortable with that. It's just like if I can perform, that's like the main thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was always just like working on stuff because you never feel like you're gonna be because everyone holds themselves to such a high standard when you're around other comics. You're yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. So that's a cool thing. But um, a little bit more about you. Uh, who were your favorite comedians when you uh, were starting before you did comedy? Oh man, before I did comedy, <clears throat> I feel like I, I like this question because I'm like, this one's before I did comedy and then versus like now and current inspirations. Right. Uh, because it's definitely changed so much since when I started. Uh, so yeah, 2011, it was like, again, like I was trying to be like a YouTube uh, comedian. I was trying to do sketch videos because I thought they were like, and that was it. Like YouTube, I think was like the big push. Stand up was kind of just like another way that I saw a way of getting in. And then obviously I learned to like stand up more than doing sketch comedy, but content creation's hard anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. The uh, I think the comedians I like were super into were like whitest kids you know, uh, Trevor Moore, R.I.P. Oh, yeah, fucking genius. I think that his videos were so funny, but they also had something to say. <laughs> like, yeah, there were so many conspiracy theory like videos, so many things about like religion in the south, and they right. were so funny. And I'm and just the thing, like, the thing that really like kind of sucks about him was when he started to get like broke off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he. I really felt bad for him. Like it was kind of a mix. I felt bad. I felt happy for him that he got this sort of stuff. But there was a lot of stuff. That, a couple of things they did that was like, oh, this stuff isn't good and doesn't fit his voice at all. <laughs> like if you see in the movie that he was in, uh, I forget the name of it. Was it Playmate of the Year? Or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, they dressed him up like like Jim Carrey and stuff. It's yeah. Like, it's like, oh, it's like you feel happy that he's got like a mainstream role, but it's like this is not his tone at all. So Yeah, exactly. And it's but I think it also is like that absurdist humor. I think that was like a big that's a big thing. Oh yeah. And internet humor always like to me internet humor itself is always like circled in absurdity. Like, you know, it's the internet. Like memes, right. like the humor of internet people is like very much what I like gravitated towards. Um, but definitely him. Uh, and then because I grew up in New England, uh, I thought Dane Cook was hilarious. That was <laughs> that. That's oh, always yeah. an embarrassing thing, but I'm just no, like, I started I in 2011. <laughs> I, I, uh, in the past couple of years, I've gone back and I've, you know, listened to, to a lot of Dane's stuff. And I like a lot of his, I like a lot of his stuff. I definitely understand why some people, why a majority of people don't because he just blew up very quickly. It always happens. There's always comedians, I think, of the time period. Yeah. Just they blow up and then it gets uh and then it, it just blows back on them. Yeah. It doesn't da- it doesn't date well, it doesn't translate later. And then also, like it the thing is, Dane Cook was a very energetic storyteller. And that's like that's the thing that I don't think people see as much anymore until they have to like do a storytelling comedy thing and i'm oh, like oh yeah it's i honestly that's like the thing that i've been like trying to work towards the most is like just storytelling but yeah dane cook was like definitely um there as some of my early inspo and then uh margaret cho margaret cho will probably be my last one and uh 
for like the big for like the big ones i definitely think we're like definitely making my comedy humor um yeah margaret show she was i i saw margaret show when i was like in fifth grade in paris at my gay uncle's apartment in paris at one point <laughs> because i was in fifth grade and we were kids and we we're like I you like you like Paris doesn't inspire you or interest you and my gay uncle's like yo watch this this shit's funny and I'm like all right cool and that was I think that was the funniest uh and the most inspirational that was like oh yeah I'm like yeah we can do this she's the look she's doing it so I was like that was like the first time that I right. saw someone who looked That's like me doing it and I'm glad it was Margaret's show and not Dat Fan because I didn't watch television <laughs> I just watched specials after that right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting, like the the type of like representations that you have. So your uh, your family, at least your uncle, were uh, were they into comedy? Do you think like were they were they into it like you were? Um, definitely not, not in like the inspirational way. I think that uh, I definitely think that my family itself, uh, we we kind of just enjoy comedy like I'll, like generally i think i'm the only one who pursued it i have a couple cousins who did some sketch videos but they didn't really go further but i think that comedy as an outlet and entertainment uh it's always been like a thing in the family um and definitely it definitely my parents like you know they understand when i you know am kind of in the creation mode they kind of let me do my own thing and then they kind of like you know are as supportive as they can without understanding comedy but uh right yeah definitely definitely the family was into it comedy for sure <laughs> was it a, was it a, was it something that they had to were they supportive of it do you think like right away no like, no my parents I would were think, like, nursing and stuff that like did that ever interfere with uh i mean i dropped out i dropped out of school for uh from nursing to nutrition and then i i don't use my nutrition degree so it's like definitely like that's definitely like a goal that my parents wanted me to have. Uh, but I definitely say that they weren't, they were, they weren't supportive of anything creatively at all. I wanted to be a cartoonist when I was like a really little kid. And my parents are like, you should look into jobs that make money. And then they'd like, I'm like in kindergarten, they would show me like, uh, they show me like literally like incomes, like money meant something to me. I'm like, I don't know what this means. I mean, these are just numbers on a page to me. And I'm like, I don't care. I just want to draw cartoons. And, uh, like they were, they've always been more of a financially stay safe, stable route. Like that's really it. Like no matter what, like even though I make money now from comedy, like they are constantly and they're constantly in a state of social security, retirement. Make sure that you're taken care of because you don't want to. You want to work as much as when you're young, but you also want to retire poor because no one else is going to take care of you. I was like, all right. So I get, I get where they're coming from, right? <laughs> you know? It's because it's all just money stuff. And I'm just like, all right. Uh, but yeah, no, they definitely weren't supportive. Like now they definitely are supportive, but like they also understand besides like the money making aspect, like they understand like my, like, cause I'll grieve, I'll grieve about it. Like publicly with my family. Like I didn't get X opportunity cause why this is what, because of this. And like, the business aspect, they f are frustrated, but they're like, just make sure that you're collecting your receipts, that, you know, you build a good audience and reputation and all this stuff. And they're, they're very much supportive of that. <laughs> well, at least they, they seem to do that. That's, that's, the, yeah, yeah. That could always be a thing. Like, cause I know people have just different ways that they have to deal with, with people. Cause it's always so, it's always so funny because we don't have a, uh, I always think, I like the one thing I like is that. Did you watch Crashing? I did. <laughs> so, like, I liked that that was on TV for a while because it kind of showed, like, what stand up is like. Because a lot of people have, I think, a glorified, you know, just version of what they think stand up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And comedians are. And it's like, this is not, like, very glamorous yeah yeah do. it's definitely not even even crashing sometimes i like show some friends like are like i love crashing him oh i'm like marcus why don't you just like hang out with this dude i'm like dude it's not always hanging out sometimes it's talent agencies also i'm like there's no way that p holmes would go from mike level to that level in like yeah. one season i'm like where's I the have... episode where's the episode of him sending emails where's him messaging yeah. bookers the problem i had with that is that this is like just a side tangent. The one thing, since I'm a huge fan of him, I would have loved, like, because they already made him look younger. I thought it would be really cool if they had sort of 
set the time back like yeah, it was yeah more of a period piece of when he was starting out because they could have done a lot more with different characters of like because when he was starting out in the early 2000s in like chicago and new york it's like all his comedian friends like this is the crazy thing all the people that he started out with like most of the people he started out with like at mics and stuff went on to become like popular comedians yeah it's like insane to like think like he was doing like open mics with like Hannibal Burris and like John Mulaney and like all three of them became successful. And it's yeah. like, it would be cool. I, I always thought like it would be cool to just see like that back then and be like, just make it a period piece. But it was just cool to like, see like, okay, at least people can kind of see a little bit of like kind of what we go through because that's always the, the part of it that, you know, just people don't, people don't know. And yeah, uh, have your uh, parents, uh, like, family at all seen your comedy, like, live at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my mom, my sister, my grandma seen it, uh, my uncles. And then also I did uh, – I hosted my family reunion in Vegas. And, like, the, like my family – like, my extended family. So this is, like, my dad's whole family. Like, the family's so big that we have, like, a hotel uh, hall rented out. Uh, so my family's seen it. Have they gotten it? Probably not. Like even, uh, even like my immediate family, the ones who know me, I don't think that they get it. But like they're supportive. Uh, some of them get some of the jokes. Um, but yeah, my parents definitely don't get it. Uh, my grandma, she's just happy to see me having fun. So <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's a generational thing. That's also a cultural thing. Oh uh, yeah, I, I can totally it's, understand it's, that. It's 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 funny. Um, but yeah, they've seen it. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I always just, like, my my parents are very supportive. My mom has always been, and it's just, like, it's interesting to see how different people, you know, because I know that people aren't as lucky, and sometimes they just have to email it and get it, and it's like, okay, that's that's tough. But uh, yeah. um, when uh, you were talking about how, like, we were talking about different comics that, like, you look up to, you know, it's so funny. We were, uh, did you have a comedian that you sort of didn't like or didn't get when you before you did comedy that you sort of had a more respect for afterwards because for me that was uh, maria banford okay yeah i was like i didn't get it at all like i didn't just like like really like hair i was just like i didn't get it and then when i did stand up for like the first time i was like oh she's a genius (laughs) 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 yeah yeah let me see i'm just like I'm trying to think because I feel like I feel like I understood like almost every comedian. Um, I got like yeah because I'm like I feel like I got every comedian. I don't think that there was one that I didn't get. Like even like the angry comedian. Like there's never there's never a moment where I'm just like oh I don't get this comedian. <laughs> so I was very open to every like type of comedy. And like when I saw weird comedy, it was like even more interesting to me. So oh, I don't think, yeah, I yeah. actually don't think I, I don't think I have one really. <laughs> yeah. Did, um, so more of this kind of stuff. Did you like? Did you like uh, Smosh and that type of stuff too? Oh yes, the yeah. classic YouTuber Smosh oh, yeah. uh, shoes. That was a great sketch. Um, Dare comedy. Don Glover also another big one oh, yes. uh, from that from that YouTube comedian era. Um, but yeah, dude, all the yeah, all the all those internets. Like even even like how it's evolved now with like TikTok and like the comedy of TikTok oh, and yes. like the, the the super ADHD comedy that people have. I'm just like, it's so it's it's interesting because I'm like, I do it live and I think I'm obsessed with the Internet one because I think that the Internet is I think the humor on the Internet is so much funnier, but it doesn't translate to live shows all the time. So no, it's, it's always, it doesn't. I mean, it's the yeah. toughest thing because I think with people there's so much you can do with like i have a lot of friends that do uh like sketch stuff too and i'm always envious of that because i'm always like you know like uh, the way i always make the analogy is like i wish i could show my comedy tits online i don't know how to do that it's like porns like i don't know how to do that yeah yeah you like, don't know how to, you know how to like translate, translate it yeah. like, i i so i'm always envious of people that i can do really good sketch stuff but i've seen that i've seen a lot of people do that and it's a tough thing now because there's a there's a thing now where once you get famous on one platform there's sort of a push to be like good in another platform 
And that yeah. could be really tough for the people that sort of go from were you putting stuff online for like sketch stuff before you did stand up? I did. Yeah, I used to so my sketch group used to be called Pine Tree Comedy. And it was uh it was like one of those things where uh I learned really on a production side, like how how much effort goes into directing and like how many members you need to do a sketch. Cause like now, now YouTube and like uh, TikTok are like one man sketches, which I think that's really great. Right. But sketches before, I think, especially a good sketch, like uh, Whitey's Kids, you know, one required multiple cast members, uh, you know, setting some action shots. Cause it was, the, it was, it was YouTube. You had to do some weird stuff. And also like, some some videos that pop off on youtube are crazy because the video is so janky but the content is so good oh um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the my the world star videos are always going to be like a favorite of mine because i'm just like these are genius like direction i hope you know that these are like forever there's a saying that's going to be forever stuck in my mind now it is crazy so i'm just like right but the one thing that i love about tiktok now is it always reminds me of early youtube in the sense that there are just people that are just making content to just like be fun, like yeah, yeah, not really doing it for like anything. Just like that's what really like kind of inspired me. I'm like, oh yeah, that's sort of what it used to be. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> before everything got so corporate and entertainment, it's like oh, this is like you know people just making shit. That's that's good. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's, you kind of want to like strive for that wholesome sort of like energy from it. Yeah, yeah. authenticity. I think that's a crazy one. Authenticity, which shines through video versus authenticity on stage. I think those are like, it's also hard too, because like, you know, comedians, we spend so much time rehearsing our uh, sets and bits. And then, and then you kind of want to, so it feels better for the audience. You want to be as present and authentic and fluid in the motion as you can with a live audience. And it's so funny, like how that doesn't like, you know, that doesn't translate all the time. And like the, on the, t- on the spot improv and interactions that you have to be able to. Cause I'm like, that's really what makes a good live comedian. And then versus a sketch. I'm like, everything is like, I understand it now. It's like very cut formatted, like very short and digestible. And then I'm like, how do you translate that to late? That's a stage with a live event. So right. I'm, gl- I'm glad that that's the route I took, which was like, because I understood comedy at like, that level but um the big lesson i learned from doing a sketch comedy group is that getting like you know teams and stuff having a good team is hard work (laughs) right that's really why i think i did stand up because i was like it was so hard directing acting writing my own scripts and then directing people who didn't have like the same drive as me and then stand up i'm like oh i can do this by myself (laughs) right when you started performing like doing stand-up was it do you feel like those skills at least a little bit transferred over yeah a little bit for sure for me i always felt like a mix it was like that was one thing that i liked because i I, when i started in improv it was like okay i'm surrounded by all these amazing people and i was like okay like i could survive that was that's the word that i used but it was like but once I started doing stand-up, it was like, oh, this is all on me now. So it was a really – but the thing was I was at least comfortable on stage to be like, I can exist up here. I just have to deliver now. And yeah, exactly. That's the biggest part. It's like, okay, how can I transfer what I know how to do? Because that's the biggest part is just putting stuff out there and being like, okay, building an actual act around stuff. Like uh, I know you're doing a lot of like – you know, hosting that type of stuff and like other shows. Are you uh, are you still getting gigs out on your own? Do you think like with are you still doing shows yourself? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm still getting booked. It's actually like the big thing is like was um, besides producing my own show was just making sure that I was like able to uh, able to uh, like you know also branch out in the scene because uh, I definitely. I was in New York for about eight years. And then, so I've been away from the main scene except for passing. And I'm just like, all right. So I'm happy, like, you know, while I've been producing shows up here, I've also been like branching out on the scene a little bit more. Right. Was, was New York pretty like, I can just imagine, was it pretty competitive? Like, but just, oh yeah, yeah. New, New York's, New York will always be a competitive always scene. Just, yeah. I, I've never, I've always wanted to do like mics and stuff there. 
I only ever did when I was starting out. I did, I did way more bringers than you're supposed to do. But it was just like, <laughs> no worries, man. To me, it was always like my thing was like I'm just performing. Like my family likes to come to these, and it's like at least I have like a stage to perform. And also, it's like uh, it's like you give yourself uh, an assignment to do. It's like okay, I have you know six weeks to just show or whatever, or like three weeks to the show. I can come up with enough material to at least you know work on shit. And at least get you more comfortable on stage. So, you know, it's always the thing. But that's that's one of the things that's like closer to here too. Is, and that's one thing that I love about the only thing that I like about COVID is that it sort of like stopped all that stuff from happening. Like bringers and stuff went away for a long time. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do to like you know make sure that you're getting on stage. But um, yeah, definitely branching out. Um, not just you know staying on my shows. Right. Yeah. So, um, with, uh, with everything that you sort of did, uh, I've seen a little bit of your, like, so how much, I know this is kind of like a dorky question, but like, how much material do you think you have? Do you have like, I definitely, uh, I definitely have, uh, I definitely have my special, like an hour underneath my belt because that was like kind of the project I was working on before. Did uh, did COVID interfere with that? What's up? Did COVID interfere with that? Um, definitely for sure. Uh, it definitely um, modified like my route that I was gonna be taking. Um, because my special, I wanted to record half of it in Maine and half of it in New York, and I didn't necessarily have the fan base that I have now. Um, that I have in uh main without the pandemic because like my reputation up here definitely grew a little bit bigger <laughs> um but yeah definitely a lot of my materials changed too but there's still like the general theme that's still there so uh but yeah i'm like i definitely have a special and i definitely have like sophomore album stuff like in the works which is even dumber because i'm just like i'm happy that i got like all the material out but it's just like it's still like you know i want to re- i just want to release these projects but i'm like not quite content you know content with uh my current fan base because i want like you know i want to like wait till like you know my fan base is bigger right that makes sense that's a smart thing to be like okay i have a little bit of like where i want it but to find to be to find out what you're more happy with is is always a thing like that's i think that's the biggest part is you just want to put out good content and have the have the people that you can have uh around um have you uh have you watched any recent specials or anything any reason what have you have you watched any recent comedy specials um yeah yeah i watched uh i just watched rathaniel um i watched ronnie chang's uh oh i got you was it speakeasy um those were both great specials um yeah those are like the and i also watched uh jeff foxworthy special recently too Yeah, yeah i didn't watch that I heard mixed things on it, but uh, what did you think of it? Uh, which one, Nathaniel, the, Foxworthy, uh, or Foxworthy Speakeasy? One. Foxworthy, I think that again, Foxworthy is a comic from a different generation and like humor of America. Because right. I always think I, I I always enjoyed the blue collar comics. Uh, oh yeah, I thought that I thought no matter what, like you know, it's like a good perspective, even though these are characters, which I think is like the funniest thing is like I was just talking about authenticity, but I'm like the big thing with uh. With, you know, Foxworthy and, like, you know, especially uh, fucking, you know, Larry the Cable Guy is that they are just extended characters. Like, there's good storytelling, but I'm just like, you know, it's diff- it's it's not necessarily, like, you know, the truth there. Right. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's always sort of that period of, like, okay, seen that. Like, I just, and uh, I think the last thing... That I can remember that I watched a uh, special was was uh, Taylor Tomlinson's. Oh really, yeah, really good. It's, it's uh, not the the sophomore one from Quarter Life Crisis, right? No, the uh, the next one. Uh, yeah, 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 and that was really good. Yeah, and uh, she always just reminds me of like a female Pete Holmes. Like she's great, but like <laughs> just like in a good way. Like she's really amazing. I love, and she's the thing that's like funny is like her and Pete Davidson are my age, so I'm always like, even though they sort of obviously before me it's like oh my god the season at like that age to be oh yeah yeah, yeah. that it's... successful is crazy 
definitely like inspiring. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, they. Uh... So, did you have a? I know this is sort of like a, maybe just like a fantasy question, but like, do you have any like names or like titles like? thought up for what you oh for my special um yeah yeah yeah, actually yeah one it's uh buxton born brooklyn bound um i think those are like two spaces that uh because i I tell people this also like especially now that you know my origin story is that i wasn't like you know i wasn't super like uh like i definitely wasn't good at comedy when i first started in like maine and buxton and that's always going to be like my hometown Mm -hmm. um but Brooklyn was definitely like a big shaper in uh, my comedy style. Right. What do you think you were funny as a kid? I definitely, I definitely think I was, I think I had character. I was like a, I was an asshole <laughs> as a kid, which means <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I was hilarious. Uh, that's always, that's always <laughs> fun. To sort of have that like the prepubescent like attitude and stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think that, uh, comedians and any kind of entertainers you have to have like you kind of have to be a problematic entertainment entertaining child but also kind of an attention seeker oh yeah that's just part of it (laughs) yeah that came up when i was a teenager and that's like you just sort of realize like okay this is what sort of do because like a survival thing too it's like a, a way that you sort of put up with things i'm always like it's sort of like it's, it's almost like when life's a video game. It's like that's the button that you push. It's like okay, I can be funny. That's my superpower. <laughs> like what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any uh, any stuff coming up? Um, nothing really. I'm just like continuing on my third season of Cabin Fever here up in Maine. Um, What's I I've, I've been growing a bunch on Twitch as a stand-up comedian, which is weird because I'm just like that's like the ne- I feel like that's the next shift of comedy. Which is just this uh, right. like level of uh, you know streamer comedians. I think that's gonna be a real thing, right? Um, but uh, that's like definitely been like my big thing. What is uh, the cabin fever thing? Which one? The cabin fever. What is that? Oh, cabin fever is my outdoor show. So I started okay. that show um, during the pandemic up here in Maine. Uh, it's an outdoor show. I basically started because Dave Chappelle did an outdoor show, and I'm like, oh, we could do that in Maine, and. Right. Uh, New York, uh, my scene was doing a bunch of outdoor shows, so I ended up producing like a pretty big uh, outdoor show that's been super successful. And yeah, that's uh, that's been that's been my big project. Uh, my next one is actually next week. I'm in my third season, which is pretty cool. Uh, even though it's like because of the pandemic, so it's not always like great news, right? And uh, is so in like comedy, there is like doing pretty well like with everything yeah yeah it's been doing pretty well um yeah so again like i got to build my fan base i got to bring a lot of good comedians who've never done main to main because of the pandemic um and yeah no that's been like uh that's been like my big push is just having this as my my project here in maine um and then yeah just kind of setting like something up for the scene uh that's already been built up so that way, like, whenever I leave, that's also, like, you know, taken care of. Right. It's so cool. Like, uh, I hear you talk about this. It's so funny. Like, I, I never I never understood, like, people who have, like, like, the things that I hear from just you, like, randomly, like, the stuff that you sort of talk about. I can never understand the balls that some people have of, like, how to get on shows and stuff. Like, being, like, pestered and stuff. It must be like pretty frustrating i can imagine yeah yeah it definitely gets frustrating but you know it's it's also like you know you it all helps i think becoming a better person but also like a better performer and then like you know just kind of like as long as you stick stick to your ideals and like you know handle everything professionally i think that right that pressure that i receive like in comedy dealing with like bookings like stress from pushy pushy comedians like as a producer like i obviously am very proud of what i make but it's also also like i understand like you know i understand the perspective from the comedian but it's also like you know you know even though i'm a producer yeah i can book everyone but you know i don't get booked by everyone it's just like you know i have such a producer i have such a i think it's like confidence issues or whatever but like i just never have that thing of like oh i should pester this person i just never thought of that it's like oh it's like You'll just wait, and if it's always like I always think, even though 
like stuff happens like people a lot of what happened here is just like people started after covid so all those people that are new are getting their time it's like if you're, if you're as long as you're doing good work you'll end up getting you'll at least get end up getting something so it's a uh, it's a good uh thing um no worries but yeah i'm like it's definitely like you know you got to just like kind of be especially now during the pandemic there's so many comedians you kind of have to be very much uh you know assertive and hold your ground especially as a creative to protect your creative property that's like the big thing that i think that is uh what i've been working on right. uh i talked about this with the um last person that i interviewed but uh have you been following the uh ti stuff oh yeah yeah, yeah. I have, I've, I've been fo- i've been following ti uh i don't know if you know this uh there's a wave of celebrities doing comedy uh i've been following big bet uh big baby glenn davis of the celtics who started doing stand-up. oh really he's yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i just know i just know through many different years that people have done it like i remember when when Steve-O was starting to do it, um, he had some pushback, and then he was actually, like, working at it. And I just know all the people that have sort of been in T.I.'s situation where they sort of don't do well. Like, that's always just, like, what I see. And it's it's always tough because it comes to that point where stand-up is sort of seen as that last, like, ditch effort, I guess, of, like, a thing to do, to be, like, to get popularity oh yeah 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 no it's 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 definitely one of the one of those uh like you know retirement ideas because like you know and it's overlooked as its own like i think that's one thing that has sort of changed now is it's still it's a little bit more respected now i think with people of like okay there is a grind to it and there is like a thing that we do but it's still very tough with that is to have someone come from a place that's you know so different and have like all these fans and all this stuff and then have to start at the bottom it's very like it can be jarring i can imagine yeah yeah, yeah. um but i also think that with celebrities uh especially the ti stuff it's just mostly like you know it's not so much stand-up but there's no thing like there's nothing there's nothing like live stories with like it's never formatted like that it's always like a celebrity doing like oh no i do stand up when i'm just like you should just market this as live stories with you because i'm like you're not necessarily funny but this also isn't like a ted talk but i think oh yeah for sure i think that stand up is just the easiest way to sell tickets and merch (laughs) a couple years ago uh could be that i'm friends with uh he started doing um he started he got involved in the uh the bam margera stuff yeah. When Bam Margera started doing stuff, and he ended up just doing stories, like he would do storytelling and he would do like, you know, like stuff like that, which was fine. But uh, it was always, it was, it was sort of like a problem with that. It was like, okay, now he just, he just has to do that. That's all he has to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can pack a room with that. And it's like just being able to keep that. But that was a crazy, that was a crazy time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. It's, dude, again, like, different different humor, different generations, because I'm just, like, no matter what, like, even, like, watching Jackass, Jackass is still funny to me, but it's not as funny as when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's definitely, like, for a younger generation, they're like, what the fuck is this? I'm just like, this is slapstick. This is... Right. Just, cl- you know, I'm like, this is classic, like, middle class, poor, doesn't give a fuck recklessness. Like, just just that, just that sh- trashy, like the core of trashy television, really. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> is, is there any? Uh, I haven't asked this question. Well. Are there any um, comedians that are sort of like in your scene that you would like to recommend at all? Um, for Maine, for Maine, it's interesting. There, I feel like definitely. Um, I've definitely branched out from not just Maine, but like kind of branched out as like a general new England one. Cause, uh, now I feel like in the scene itself, uh, there's a couple comics, but I think that not leaving a small town, it's not like the ambitions of like something bigger aren't there, which is always like hard because I feel like whenever, uh, whenever they're like a comedian gets asked this on a podcast, like something that you'd recommend, I always feel bad when the comedian recommends someone, but they don't have 
good content they're not really like doing anything online or they don't have anything to present oh um right. <laughs> and that's that, that it's, it's it's kind of weird but it's kind of annoying um but definitely like smaller comedians from new england that i think are like putting in the effort putting in the grind to just like have that um let me see i'm trying to figure out right now uh mo awale he's a main comedian he's a somalian comedian um he helped me produce a show um but very young kind of starting to get into like content creation um and kind of just being a comedian like you know kind of like playing like the 2022 comedy game but de definitely still very naive uh mo wally great great comedian i think he has a fun perspective i think he's gonna have a voice and if he continues to grind on it and then uh a comedian that i'd say in the uh in the New York scene, I'll say, or New England scene, let's see. I'm like, who? Uh, let's 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 go with uh, Menno Fernandez. He's uh, you might have seen, you might have heard his name in the New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Menno Fernandez. I think he's one of the funniest motherfuckers ever. I think that his act is very genuine, very Long Island. Um, but it's definitely like a grind in your own way type of deal, like. He definitely hasn't like figured out how to tap into like his uh, fan base yet, but I think he's just so funny and talented uh, that, like you know, when he does get seen and he gets his like chance to like really step up, that he's gonna like blow expectations right off the world. That's the thing that I always think like with certain people, they just need like a certain audience and they'll be fine. Like once they find sort of that for them, it's always that's the that's the key to it because that just boosts you up more. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know of uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. Uh, yeah, the the, the, the uh, Italian yeah. god. Mm. <laughs> when, when I uh, I was like researching <laughs> some stuff on him yesterday because uh, in uh, 2018 they started making a, he started writing a movie about himself. He has a movie coming out uh, next year, which is about his. Uh, about him getting married and it's about his father like his relationship with his father and he's having a uh, robert de niro play his dad <laughs> and it's like that is crazy like to be able to do that and just like everything that he's evolved from because yeah, yeah, yeah when i first started seeing him like i i started seeing him earlier before i think a lot of people did when he started to become very mainstream so i was like oh that's so cool and just to see like how comedians evolve over the years is always so just cool. Like, that's the one thing that I love about doing this podcast. It's like having people on over and over again and just seeing where people go because. Oh, yeah, the progress. To me, it's work. always about the, <laughs> the journey to me is always, it's always the coolest thing to me. Is oh, yeah, absolutely. Where you start from and like, because mostly when I have people on here, it's like, okay, I talk to them about they're starting and I have them on. And when they have an album or a special or anything they're doing, like, it's it's just been really cool to see that so um do you have any uh you know we deal with you know heckling and stuff do you have any interesting like heckling stories or like interesting crowd um crowd stories i think is uh yeah definitely always uh good experience uh i definitely say you should get all the crowd experience you should get all different de demographics of people um and also all different ages <laughs> i'd say that uh oh yeah yeah yeah. i think that this is funny this was like my big one right before the pandemic is i got to do a new year new, new year's eve ball drop comedy show uh in new york city at times square which is crazy um oh wow yeah we got police escorted um it was actually at a police station um in their gymnasium and it was for like troubled teenagers. That was the audience. Troubled teenagers with police officers watching in the corner and us doing comedy. And um, I basically got booked because I was the youngest comedian that this older comic who got booked on, you know, had. Like, you know, or he knew. And uh, I got brought in very minimal information about it. Um, oh. And, like, this is a pro. This is an OG. I want to do good in front of him. Um, but he's only seen me, like, do, like, you know, my shock comedy, like, uh, like my stand-up set. And 
like a little bit of crowd work in like a Bronx like black room. So uh, that's so context context wise, that's all he's seen me do. He books me just because I think I'm the youngest comedian he knows. So he books me for the show, thinking that oh, it's a young audience, it's gonna connect with them. I have never done an audience this young. Like I've never done a product graduation, and like I totally get now, hundred percent. Like why? Uh, it is a skill to do a clean set in oh, front yes. of high schoolers. Um, because yeah, oh my god, I had I had material that I think like. Basically, I was like a senior telling jokes to like eighth graders. That's the only best way I could describe it. As, right. Like, like a super senior. Yeah. Because in my mind, uh, like I knew they were like, you know, kids who had trouble, like, you know, had trouble family wise. And they were here because like, you know, they couldn't be with their family and like, you know, watched by the police so they could still have like an enjoyable experience. But like I knew their background. So then I thought, oh, maybe I'll talk about how, uh, I'll do jokes about how I think being hit as a kid made me tougher to kids. And I'm like, in my mind, this is what I thought was going to be great. And it was basically just like kids watching in shock. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I'm far away. Like the thing is comedy does equal tragedy plus time. I can laugh about it now. Cause I'm like, that was my childhood. But right. I'm still talking to kids who are like, that might have happened last week to them. I'm just like, oh, right. uh, this isn't yeah. funny. This is traumatic. I'm like, oh, uh, I don't like, and in my mind, I'm just like, I had to like, kind of like, I feel like midway through my set, I kind of had to like, immature myself to like the sense of humor I had back in like eighth grade. And I think that was like a big onstage experience for me. Because <laughs> I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I want to do good in front of this OG. And like, you know, my mind is just focused on telling the jokes I know right? with the best audience that I think it works with and present to this older comedian. But then, like, the job is, like, hey, I got hired as a comedian, entertain this audience. And I was, like, it was for, I think it was the first time that I stepped outside of, like, my set and, like, stand up to, okay, how do I make these kids laugh? How do I make this right. particular audience laugh? Where's, and I recovered, but it definitely was rough mm -hmm. for me. <laughs> Did they put any like restrictions on like stuff you couldn't talk about or like? Oh no, this was like a last minute booking. I got no experience. I got no no points brought on. Um, I had a bunch of cop jokes I was gonna make, but obviously there are cops there, so I'm just like, all right, I'm just gonna pull these away. I'm not gonna talk about drugs, but like literally, like before I, I was like, he just booked me because I was like, I think I still have the. I need to look up this message. I'm like, I think I still have the message from him, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was like last minute. It was, it was wild. There's nothing. There's like no restrictions that were given to me. <laughs> I was just like Jesus. It was, it was, and it was just improvising. So it was nutty. <laughs> right, and uh, so at least that one, like you, th you eventually like pulled it off. You feel like that? Yeah, yeah. I recovered, but um, I also got to watch uh the comedians go up after me, and it it turned into like pg pg roasting that's the best way i could say it. it wasn't like adult like you know jokes it was letting the kids be kids make fun of the comedian on stage for being old have the comedian on stage kind of roast these kids he's like you know that's like that's it like oh you know becky like that's the humor of like they know, love that middle now, school yeah. they love that yeah, yeah like ro ro now, roasting yeah, so. each other like no matter what like comedian they think that comedians are good roasters i'm like Find an angsty high schooler or middle schooler. They'll point oh, out yeah. factual things about you <laughs> that are also good roasts. Like, it's, oh, like, yeah. well thought out. But it's, like, it, like at that point, it's just, like, hey, you know, if you're not, like, you know, it's high school. So that drama kind of carries over. But I'm, like, you got to, like, you know, you got to be packing that heat. <laughs> right. You got to be funny and defensive on that. Right. That's so cool that you were able to sort of, like, just survive. Not survive, but, like like do well there that's really really cool that you were able to do that yeah that must have been was the older comic that sort of put you to the end up like being pretty happy with everything yeah yeah he no no he was he was he was happy just because he had like a younger comic there uh so it wasn't just like ogs um but definitely my set could have gone better <laughs> like but it, again like again i was just focused on doing the set i know not taking into consideration consideration the audience and who I was trying to entertain. I'm like, I think that was like a good moment for me to be like, Hey, this isn't really about your set. This is about making these people happy. So you got to focus right. on that. 
Well, thank you so much for uh, for being on and. Uh, no, no, thank you for having me, Richard. Much, uh... This was this was this was fun. Uh, I got to answer a lot of fun questions, and yeah, no, it's also good to connect, you know, uh, online and it, like you know, it, this is like the closest to in person right now. But yeah, right. Uh, what's your uh, social media stuff? Uh... Um, yeah, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Marcus Cardona. That's M A R C U S C A R D O N A, and then. On Facebook as official Marcus Cardona, just because Facebook is a wild, wild west world. And then, um, yeah, I stream on Twitch under neurotic underscore fodder. That's N-E-U-R-O-T-I-C underscore fodder, F-O-D-D-E-R. Like, you know, farm animals eat. <laughs> right. All right. Well, that's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for being on. Uh you have a show tonight? Um, I don't, um, it's Easter Sunday, so I'm going to, uh, I'm doing, I'm doing like the most main shit ever. I'm going to a hockey game with my uncles and cousins. Uh, have fun. Uh, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, no, again, thanks for having me. Bye. All right, later.